For the week of August 30th, 2017, this is the Washington State Indivisible Podcast. I am your host, Stephen Cox. Hello. On this week's show, I should mention that this is our 30th episode. Wow, it's kind of hard to believe. Uh, Anyway, on this episode, we have an all-tech show in which we talk to the founders of the Countable app, as well as the news aggregators site, What the F*** Just Happened Today.com. Hey, that's a bleep. That's new. I promise to use it sparingly. Uh, To be specific, just two more times. Of course, we also have our weekly dose of good news, and then we have our call to action. Bart Myers is the founder and head of Countable.us, a website that, among other things, tracks bills in Congress and alerts users when they come up for a vote. Bart Myers, thanks for being on the show. Thank you. It's great to be here. So I want to talk a little bit about your background first. You live in the Bay Area. You are a tech entrepreneur. Uh, So how did you get interested in politics? Uh, That's a great question. I mean, I've I've been uh, interested in politics uh, in some fashion, I think, going back to high school, actually. Um, And then in college, I was in the Pacific Northwest uh, at a a, a school, actually UW and Evergreen uh, when I was up there. Uh, and in, in both cases, I, I had I studied liberal arts and international studies and always been very interested in in really sort of how how people govern themselves and work together and and how we uh, you know, how we make this crazy thing work of, of having so many people uh, sharing limited resources and living together and doing so, um, you know, increasingly peacefully uh, and peaceably. I've always found that to be very interesting. And I've also found the idea that that government uh, as we experience it today, is not its ideal form. There's always room for improvement, and uh, there's not there's not only two solutions to every problem. There's there's a myriad of potential solutions, and we need a space to be able to talk about those things and think about those things. And so I experienced that a bit when I was in college, and um, as I've as I've progressed in my career uh, and working around technology, I've seen the promise and potential of what technology could do in these areas, and uh, I've just it kind of had this magical moment where I could uh, put it all together. Well, yeah. So talk about that. How did the idea for Countable come about? Yeah, it was funny. Um, I had my, my last company was in a completely different space. It was in, in the entertainment TV space. It was a website called Sidereel. Mm-hmm. And it was a place where you could find and watch television shows online, uh, which at the time was a total mess. It was very difficult to find shows and, and watch them. And there was a really, really interesting problem there around being able to make it easier for people to quickly find uh, and watch and uh, the shows that they loved. And I sold that company in 2011 to, to now TiVo. Um, and then I uh, was, was contemplating what I wanted to do next with, with my co-founder at the time. And, and we kept coming back to the, the mess that is government and constituents relationships with government and their lawmakers and this vast disconnect. You talk about a mess in the TV, online TV space. Well, the, there's a much bigger mess in the, in the sort of government interaction space. And mm. the idea that uh, are our lawmakers representing us and how could they represent us better and how could we better get them feedback and input, but then also evaluate and measure them. So we, we kept looking at that problem and ultimately landed on, on a, a way to bring real value uh, to the space would be to to, to bring to your phone, so Countable at its core is an app, uh, the ability to see what your lawmakers are doing and then very quickly send them a message, send them a video, make a phone call, whatever you want, whatever you want to, however you want to be heard, mm-hmm. uh, but really seamlessly give you that ability to be heard and take action. And so um, Countable was really born from trying to provide a, a, 
a basic set of information. We don't want to be a, uh, you know, we don't want to be the New York Times. We don't want to be the Wall Street Journal. We want to be a place where you can go and kind of quickly get up to speed on your commute and then quickly send some, some updates to your lawmakers about what you think and, and what your feelings are. And that's really the that was really the crux of it, the beginning of it. Well, so so you've very uh, ably described the user experience, uh, so people have an idea of what to expect when they go to the website and then to the app. I'd like to kind of dig into your editorial methods. Uh, so you have an editorial team who works for the site, which I should point out is led by Andrea Seabrook, whom many people will know from her work on public radio. I'm curious how that connection came about. So yeah. Andrea and I met through her actually applying to our managing editor position uh, when it was open. And uh, I, I, I sort of had a double take when I saw that she yeah. had applied and <laughs> uh, was, was quite stunned and um, ended up sort of immediately calling her and saying, we have to talk. You know, your work at Decode DC, your work at Marketplace, your work at, at NPR is just, I mean, it was inspirational to, to what we do. Mm-hmm. And she said, that's great, because what you guys are doing is inspirational. And so we got very excited and um, uh, pretty quickly brought her on board. And uh, she has she has been the really sort of the guiding uh, voice and light for our broader editorial team, which includes a number of people, both on the legislative side and then also on the reporting side. How large is your editorial staff, actually? Uh, so currently, uh, all together, I think we're six people on the editorial staff. Um, uh, some, some are contributors, some are full-time. Um, and, you know, their mandate is really to cover breaking news, ask the hard questions to our audience and give our audience a place to, to talk about them and take action on them and cover all major legislation that's either coming up for a vote or coming through committee in Congress or is otherwise in the news. Well, let's talk about the the major point, uh, since you bring that up. Uh, You cover bills, as you say on the site, that are likely to make it to a vote. That makes sense. But you've also, you have featured bills and votes on your website. How do you make that determination from an editorial standpoint? That is a great question. So the, um, the, the editorial process of kind of selecting what to feature. So generally when we feature something, uh, from a legislative standpoint, there, there's something obvious about it happening. So, for example, uh, if we're coming up on a vote of the Affordable Health Care Act, uh, which is the Republican repeal of the ACA, mm-hmm. um, that, that obviously has to be uh, prioritized and elevated. If we know that there's a major vote coming up on a piece of legislation, or for that matter, a vote coming up for a piece of legislation, we really want to, we, we feel that it's our responsibility and mandate to our audience to be able to give them enough time to read it, understand it, and come to an opinion on it and reflect that opinion to their lawmakers. And, you know, sometimes we, we don't get more than a day's warning. Sometimes we get a week or two weeks warning. Um, at other times, we'll feature legislation that is uh, timely due to issues that are happening more generally. And so we want to really help to shine a light on the ideas that are timely and interesting and um, and and will will bring you um, kind of greater visibility into this this 
this crazy machine that is Congress. Well, that leads me to want to ask about the filtering function on this site, because you can filter your alerts to track a particular member of Congress and how he or she is going to vote. And you can also track a particular issue. And so I guess I'm wondering, and I, you know, I, I follow this site, but I don't know what comes up versus what maybe doesn't come up. So, for example, if somebody were to say, I, I, I want to track all legislation related to abortion, even if it weren't featured on your site, would that notification still come up in your app? In a manner of speaking, for sure. So you can, there are, there are issue centers for different issues. So let's say uh, you brought up abortion. There is an abortion issue page, and you can follow that issue, and you can see legislation uh, news, et cetera, relative to that issue. And you can do that in the app right now. Um, you're unlikely to get notifications on an issue unless something is happening with that issue. So right. um, uh, you, you won't necessarily get an update every day, but you will get notifications when uh, that issue comes up in, a, in kind of a critical way, in a newsy way, et cetera. And specifically if it comes up for a vote. Absolutely. I'm curious to know from a nuts and bolts standpoint, so when somebody, when a user uh, votes on a particular uh, bill, when they give user feedback or they give a video, how is that delivered to the lawmakers themselves? Oh, great question. So lawmakers will receive, it depends, first of all. So the bulk of our uh, messages are delivered to Congress. They're delivered to Congress electronically uh, through one of several means that, that, that essentially make it. Uh, conform to the standards by which the lawmaker in their office wants to be receiving input from their constituents. So it goes into kind of a super inbox, if you will, uh, if you're familiar with sort of your, your email inbox. This is like a, an inbox times a million um, mm-hmm. where all the messages go. And what we try to do is make it so that those messages can be, um, that those messages are easy for them to count and tabulate and respond to. Um, and then if you use a, a video or some kind of really personal message that that stands out, that a lawmaker has a higher likelihood of reading it, seeing it, watching it, et cetera. What sort of response have you had from lawmakers? I I know you have a positive quote from Senator Evan Bayh on the website, but he's on your advisory board. Have there been others who have communicated to you either positively or negatively about their experience with Countable? Yeah, for sure. Um, Actually, a number of lawmakers recommend Countable as a place to go to read about and stay on top of what they are doing in Congress. Um, being that we summarize legislation, we give you alerts around legislation, we give you an easy way to understand what's happening, uh, we're probably the best source of uh, having Congress at your fingertips. Um, with regards to Congress, members of Congress responding to messages, responding to the inbound inquiries, uh, they, have a, uh, they have a significant challenge. Uh, they, have a, they have a very significant challenge, which is um, electronic communication, smartphones, apps, etc., cetera, um, even faxing. Um, the, the, the world has become, it's become a lot easier to contact your lawmaker, uh, and, and say what you think. And in many cases, it's being done by, by groups who are uh, not doing it on a personal basis, but they're essentially spamming lawmakers. Uh, what makes Countable special is that our messages are truly from you. You're expressing an opinion yourself. It's not a, a form letter that you got in your email or you add your name to it and then it sends a message. This is you saying, I care about this issue. I want a solution to it. This is what I think about it. So you're saying stuff that comes from Countable carries more weight with lawmakers. It, it does, yes, for sure. Personal messages carry way more weight to, law, to lawmakers than uh, a, a spam blast. 
So on your website, you have an equation, knowledge plus civil, civic engagement plus advocacy tools equals concrete political influence. How do you gauge that political influence? So, um, you know, there, there's qualitative and quantitative ways. There's the number of messages sent on an issue, uh, the, the, re- the response that you'll see, the, the sort of community rallying uh, these are all common ways to to receive it. We look we look at it closely in terms of action taking. Uh, we like to see that our content is driving action taking. You you can look at um, have have I swayed the political process? Uh, have right. I made a lawmaker change their mind? But our number one goal is to change your mind. Our number one goal is to make you feel. Uh, informed to the point where you're dangerous, where you know what your lawmaker is <laughs> doing, you know if they represent you. Uh, I'm serious. I, I, I want everybody to have a sense of if their lawmaker, in fact, represents them, if, they are, if you are in agreement with them. Because if we are better informed about the true ability of our lawmakers to represent us, um, the, the greater this republic will be, the more representative it truly will be. But it requires us to do that work, and Countable is really here to make that work easy. Well, you, you're a true believer, Bart, and it's, it's very clear in, in talking to you. Um, I'm wondering if the site is doing what you hoped it would do when you first began, because you're at this point, actually, you are nearing, I believe you're at uh, 9.8 million messages sent at this point. Uh, that's just an incredible level of engagement. But I'm wondering if the metrics that you're seeing in terms of, you know, enthusiasm or what, you know, people people actually getting involved in the political process. Is this what you set out to do? It absolutely is. Yeah, it's, it's it, this is the best job I've ever had. Um, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's incredibly gratifying to to be giving people a voice and, and to take something that they otherwise have felt was incredibly frustrating and upsetting and and now can actually be at their fingertips they feel like they're in control they understand what's happening they have a way to do something about it uh and they can do that you know rinse and repeat every day well bart myers thank you so much for taking the time and being on the show man my pleasure thank you so much Time now for this week's call to action, which I will just transmit ahead of time, will be to do whatever we can to help our fellow citizens in need in Houston and the Gulf Coast. Man, uh, more on that in a moment. First, our dose of good news. So let's just cut right to it. Steve Bannon and Sebastian Gorka are both gone from the White House. And really, Steve Bannon is the most consequential domino to fall because we didn't really know what Sebastian Gorka did did we? Um, other than being a Hungarian fascist. Uh, but Bannon had Trump's ear. Some sources say that he still might, so I don't think we're totally out of the woods here, but at least he is off the premises. And as far as hate groups go, well, it turns out visibility is not really their friend. Weeping hate monger Chris Cantwell turned himself into police, and many other white nationalists and members of assorted hate groups who were at the Charlottesville rally have been outed on social media, and many have lost their jobs. Also, they're having trouble finding places to gather. The Patriot Prayer Rally in San Francisco was canceled. And even Norwegian Cruises canceled the cruise a white nationalist group had chartered. And really, Norwegian? You let them do that in the first place? Anyway, that cruise has been canceled. 
Also, the removal of Confederate slash monuments of hate proceeds apace. First, at the University of Texas, they have gotten rid of Confederate statues from their mall. And in New York City, they are removing the statue of a French Nazi collaborator. So, on the right track there. And now, for this week's call to action. And in a lateral way, I can actually say that this call to action is sort of related to our dose of good news. In that, in spite of the unprecedented destruction that Hurricane Harvey is bringing... I've been deeply moved at points to tears by photos and footage of people demonstrating great humanity to their fellow man. The photo of the young man on a jet ski evacuating an elderly woman from her flooded home. The footage of the CNN reporter putting down his microphone to help an old man into a rescue boat. But the miles-long line of trucks towing boats and jet skis on the interstate heading into Houston, all going toward the flooding to help rescue stranded people. This, I really believe, you guys, is what we're about. If I can just editorialize for a moment. This is who we are. We care for and we love one another. We are decent and we pull together. There have been a number of posts on social media expressing this point, but much more than the ugliness of Charlottesville, we are Houston. So... I have included a link on the SoundCloud page and also on the website to organizations that are doing invaluable work right now in Houston. If you can, give them some money and some support. These people are on the ground right now doing what needs to be done, and they represent the best of who we are. So let's support them in any way we can. That is this week's Call to Action. Matt Keezer is the creator of the website WhatTheFJustHappenedToday.com, which compiles an ongoing daily list of the daily outrages coming from the White House and the GOP. And uh, because I am a regular reader of the site, I can tell you that as of the recording of this interview on August 17th, we are now on day 210 of the Trump administration. Uh, welcome, Matt Keezer. Hey, it's great to be here. Day 210, does it, does it seem like longer to you like it does for most of us, particularly with the news of the last week or so? You know, it was like the last couple of days I finally started feeling the like how how intense this last 200 days have, have been for me personally. Um, mm. I went back and looked at how I did the first 100 days like straight every single day, uh, no days off. And then since the, the first 100 days, the last 210 or 110 days of uh I've taken the weekends off and I took one like work day off in this mm. whole time. And uh, it's starting to catch up with me, to be honest. It's, it's a lot. It's a lot to digest. Yeah, it's a lot for all of us to digest. I want to talk a little bit about the criteria that you have for inclusion on this site. Um, I, first, let's talk content. Not all stories that you include are outrages from Trump or the GOP. Some are relatively good news, like you recently included how Obama's tweet following the events in Charlottesville is now the most liked tweet in Twitter's history. What are your criteria in terms of content? How do you choose? So I take it back to like a really old school like method here. It's just the basic news value judgment that journalists have exhibited forever um and specifically how like a, a front page editor would have uh valued which store which stories go on the front page of your like newspaper right mm -hmm. and so uh i pair that with like another i guess tactic or, or perspective here is i strip out like pretty much all of the opinion and adjectives that sort of position and frame stories and try and break it down into its, the like atomic parts of like what happened who said what who reported it, and then I just move on. Um, 
when it comes to like, you know, what the order of the stories are and uh, why I cover certain things, but not others, I think a lot of it comes down to this sort of news value judgment of uh, promising exactly what the name implies. It's like, here's what happened today. And so, you know, what I'm trying to do is just find what are the most impactful, timely and prominent stories of the, you know, say like, like 24 to 30 hours, um, depending on how the previous day ended, and then try and put together sort of a, da- a daily narrative where it's the news that drives the narrative and not like me or, uh, or you know, yeah, I guess like not me. Like I'm not the one making this news up, right? You know, I'm not the no. one saying this is what's important. I'm just saying this is what happens. But you do have an editorial tone, and I would say uh, that it is snarky uh, and uh, enjoyably so. And I I think uh, there are a number of things that are appealing about this site. Uh, Tone and format are a couple of the things that uh, come to mind. Clarity. Dave Lee of the BBC said, quote, uh, it's single subject, distinct tone, clear formatting, and total understanding of what its audience wants. That hits the nail on the head for me in terms of its appeal, and it sounds like that's the basic approach that you're taking here 100 percent. i you know honestly dave like articulated that before i could ever do that which was like it was actually really helpful to see that from the outside i was like yeah that's actually what this is because you know this is you know in some ways this is a big experiment on like how do you present news that's trustworthy and reliable sure well let's talk about that because yeah. i really want to uh, also drill down on the publications that you link to i mean obviously you look for credible sources and you have the usual suspects there you have the washington post new york times wall street journal the atlantic but you also link to stories from uh talking points memo josh marshall's blog uh, politico other online sites what are your criteria for inclusion on the website and has it evolved yeah you know i I think like for me, like the my goal is to like always present what happened and who reported it, like first and foremost. And so that generally comes from like your, you know, your CNNs and Washington Posts and NBCs and New York Times, because they have the most like boots on the ground, like doing the most original reporting. And then you have like a million other sites that are doing rewrites and hot takes and all that stuff. And it creates a really complicated media ecosystem. So for me, like I might see a story come out of like, say, Think Progress, which is like, you know, pretty liberal. Mm-hmm. And it's referencing a story that came from, say, Politico. And so I'll trace it back to where that, that news originated from and start there. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that because I noticed at the tail end of some of your posts, you will say, you know, CNN slash Vox slash Politico. And any anybody who has reported on this particular story, you give a number of different sources sometimes. Yeah, you know, and, and a lot that comes from two things. One, it's um, sometimes like the little blurb I write, even if it's like 50 words, it might be pulling facts from two different sources. And I'll pull those together to tell a more rounded, like a uh, little story there. Right. And then sometimes it's, especially when it's a more controversial like situation, um, like Trump's comments on Charlottesville. I will make sure to cite kind of a, a multiple sources, even if they're reporting the same thing, because there's this, I, I don't know what the like, you know, cognitive bias or, or whatever it's called is, but like when you see multiple reputable sources all reporting the same thing, you tend to trust it more. Sure. That's like a, that's drawn directly out of this whole notion of like fake news media and like alternative facts. And, you know, if every journalistic outlet that essentially most people trust are all reporting the same thing, you know, like mm-hmm. it's, it's more likely than not 
that there's tr- there's more truth here than there isn't. You know what I mean? There's, You're talking about establishing credibility. Correct. Yeah, that's. A, I think that's exactly what the the intention is here. Also, there's like a sort of third piece, which is more of a byproduct of doing the first, which is not everyone has a subscription to the New York Times or the Washington Post or the Wall Street Journal. And when I cite those sources, I try to find like a a free and available version of that same story because you should support like great journalism, right? Sure. You should have your subscription to the times and the post, but not everyone can afford that. And if you can't afford it, that doesn't mean you shouldn't get access to the news. Right. Right. So that's kind of like the sort of three main reasons why I cite multiple sources. It's either telling a more fuller narrative. Uh, it's, it's this idea of like showing the truthfulness of this and creating uh, trust. And then the third is like, access. You get an extraordinary amount of traffic. You touched on it earlier. I'm curious to know how that traffic has grown over these last 209 days. Have you seen peaks and valleys? Have you seen particular periods of ramping up where you'll see a lot more traffic, a lot more interest, a lot more subscriptions? Yeah, you know, it, it follows the news cycle pretty closely. So when like, it's all pretty ridiculous, but when things are extra ridiculous, um, more people like go to the site, more people share it, more people subscribe, and more people like open and read the newsletter. And then there's like those lulls that happen. And a lot of those are seasonality, like it's summer right now, and people are doing real life stuff, um, and trying to like, cope with like, what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And, and newspapers and, and newspaper websites in general, like experience this seasonality, like the summer is like traditionally much slower than it is in the fall, spring and winter. Not this summer. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and like, and not this August either like it's usually a really quiet month politically in august because well, of the- sure congress is in recess and yeah and it turns out that's been the opposite case um i launched the site officially the day after the travel ban hit or like the the night of and that was so perfectly timed in a very serendipitous way that it caught fire and just went totally spread viral like far and wide um and that really built like this huge base um and then the you know the news kind of slowed down in in March a little bit, and then it picked up again in April and May. And so I've I've seen that that ebb and flow, and it's really driven by the news cycle. And you know, it really points to like people are are pretty interested in in Trump, partly because you know he's a celebrity, and partly because he's a president, and partly because he's totally ridiculous. Yeah, there there are several words that you could have ended that sentence with, but we'll go with ridiculous. Sure. <laughs> um, there's also a pretty lively member forum on this site. Talk about that a little bit. Do you get leads or suggestions from your members? Yeah. So uh, there's a few interesting things that happens um, with this, this community. One is this member forum. I recently la- launched it because what I'm trying to do is, is help all these people who consume this content connect with each other and if it's for no other reason than to sh- share their emotions with each other and like feel like they're connected to someone that feels the same way they are, yeah. that's cool. Um, on the other hand, like I, I think like the impact that what the f- just happened today can have long term is is really a function of the community building its sort of own inertia to exist beyond just like some dude living in Seattle like blogging from his dinner table, you know. Um, <laughs> As much as I'm the linchpin, I would feel more comfortable if there's this community that's really uh, motivated and lively and, and they can sort of share the news amongst each other and discuss it and talk about it and figure out where do we go from here and how do we get to next, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I think that's more the long-term goal is that to provide the platform 
for people to to organize within this community. Um, so you're talking crowdsourcing a little bit, or you're you're still going to obviously be the the key editor behind all of it? Yeah, you know, I think there's I think there's room for everything, right? Um, you know, one of my favorite bands, the Dead Kennedys. There's the sing the singer. <laughs> Del- Biafra. Yeah, yeah. He he once did this thing. He said, "Become the media." Yeah, and I remember hearing that when I was in I don't know middle school, high school, when I first got into the Dead Kennedys. And that's stuck with me ever since. And, you know, in, in a lot of ways, this project is a representation of me becoming the media. Uh, but I don't think it needs to stop with, like, just me. I think the coolest thing here could be, like, the idea of enabling anybody to sort of become the media and and, and kind of curate their experience and, and share what they're seeing, thinking, hearing well, Matt, when we started, I had no idea that we would be wrapping up our conversation talking about uh, Jello Biafra. So that's, uh, <laughs> life is full of surprises, man. But uh, uh, Matt Kieser, thank you so much for joining us. Of course. Thank you for having me. And that will do it for this week's show. If you would like to learn more about the show, head over to indivisiblepodcast.org and subscribe. You will find links to all the things that we talk about here on the show, and there is a searchable back catalog of shows. Our email address is indivisiblepodcast at gmail.com. Again, indivisiblepodcast at gmail.com. I love your questions, comments, and all that stuff. You guys rule. And our Twitter handle is at IndivisiblePod. The Washington State Indivisible Podcast is a production of Get Creative, Inc. Thank you again to Bart Myers and Matt Kieser. And thanks, as always, to you for listening. We'll see you guys next time. Bye. <laughs>